Hi everyone, welcome back to the MetaBullet Step 1 podcast. In today's episode, we covered the topic of compartment syndrome found under the MSK section at MedBullets.com. Let's begin with the clinical snapshot. A 21-year-old man presents for evaluation of a painful right leg. He had previously had a tibial fracture and had a tightly bound cast in place. He reports excruciating pain when the cast is released and when the muscles underneath are palpated. A catheter is introduced into the limb, and the intracompartmental pressure is 40 millimeters of mercury. A surgical consult is immediately called. Let's continue with an introduction to compartment syndrome. Clinically, it is defined as a painful emergency condition that occurs when the tissue pressure inside an anatomical compartment bound by fascia exceeds the perfusion pressure, resulting in ischemia and necrosis. In terms of the location, Lower extremity is more common than upper extremity and may occur in the leg, forearm, hand, foot, and thigh. Risk factors include trauma, anticoagulation therapy, and bleeding disorders. In terms of the etiology, the most common cause is a fracture, most commonly a tibia fracture. Other causes include soft tissue injury, circumferential burns, crush injuries, constrictive dressings such as splints, casts, or poor surgical positioning, and penetrating wounds. In terms of the pathogenesis, remember that blood flow is blocked when the tissue pressure exceeds the perfusion pressure within a fixed volume compartment. This results in a lack of oxygen and the accumulation of waste products, which may then cause pain and decreased peripheral sensation. Also remember that irreversible tissue damage occurs between 6 to 8 hours after onset. In terms of the prognosis, there is a higher chance of regaining function of the affected limb if a fasciotomy is performed within 12 hours. Moving on to the presentation. Symptoms may include burning pain that is out of proportion to the injury, which is the most specific and important symptom. There may be pain with active contraction of the compartment, and the patient may have paresthesia or numbness. On physical exam, one may note firm, swollen, and wooden feeling of the muscles on palpation, Patients may have skin findings such as bullet. There will be decreased vibration sensation and decreased two-point discrimination. Also remember that the six Ps are classically associated with compartment syndrome. These are pallor, pain out of proportion, which is worse with passive stretch, paresthesia, which may include a pins and needles sensation, pulselessness, poikilothermia, and paralysis, which is a late finding. In terms of further imaging, Radiography is typically not needed for diagnosing compartment syndrome, but it is useful for characterizing any trauma such as a fracture. In terms of other studies, compartment pressure measurement is indicated to confirm diagnosis if clinicians are unable to elicit the symptoms or history. The specific modality includes using a transducer, which is connected to a catheter, and this is then used to measure the intracompartmental pressure, or ICP. And when making the diagnosis, Remember that most cases are clinically diagnosed or guided by pressure measurement. The absolute ICP should be greater than 30 millimeters of mercury, or the delta pressure, which is the diastolic blood pressure minus the ICP, should be less than 30 millimeters of mercury. Remember that a normal ICP is 0 millimeters of mercury. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about cellulitis, with a distinguishing factor being that patients will present with a normal neurovascular exam. Another thing to keep in mind is rhabdomyolysis. Distinguishing factors here include abnormal laboratory evaluation, 
which includes a creatine phosphokinase, renal function studies, urine myoglobin, and potassium. In terms of treatment, remember that management is focused on early decompression. Observation and conservative management is appropriate only if ICPs are not high. Conservative options include placing the limb at the level of the heart without elevation. This is indicated for all patients while awaiting the diagnosis or decompression. Another option is immediate removal of any wraps, splints, or casts. This is also indicated for all patients. Another option is immobilization. This is also indicated for all patients. Operative options include a fasciotomy. This is indicated if the ICP is greater than 30 millimeters of mercury with a lowered threshold for compartment syndrome of the hand. It is also indicated for prolonged duration of compartment syndrome greater than 8 hours. And lastly, complications related to compartment syndrome include a Volkmann contracture, which results in permanent nerve and muscle damage. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to compartment syndrome, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 63-year-old man is brought into the emergency department after being found unconscious on the sidewalk. He is difficult to arouse with a Glasgow Coma Score of 10. After naloxone is administered, the patient wakes up screaming in pain from his left forearm. He does not recall any trauma to his arm and denies any intravenous drug use. He states that he did not have this pain prior to losing consciousness. On exam, his temperature is 99.0 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.2 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 150 over 96. Pulse is 98 beats per minute and respirations are 14 breaths per minute. Examination of his upper extremity reveals a tight forearm with exquisite tenderness to palpation. Pulses at the radial artery, ulnar artery, palmar arch, and all digital arteries in the left hand were appreciated on Doppler. Which of the following is typically the latest finding for this type of disease course? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Pallor Choice 2. Paralysis Choice 3. Paresthesias Choice 4. Poikilothermia, or choice 5, pulselessness. The best answer to this question is choice 2, paralysis. This patient who was found unconscious has a tense, exquisitely painful forearm, likely has compartment syndrome, which has a late finding of paralysis. Compartment syndrome in the extremities occurs because the soft tissue is partitioned into groups by strong layers of fascia. When excessive swelling occurs in one of these compartments and is confined by the limits of the fascia, intracompartmental pressures increase, which can lead to muscle damage, compression of the blood vessels, and irreversible ischemic change with tissue death. While compartment syndrome is often associated with long bone fractures, it can also be associated with many non-traumatic causes, including ischemic reperfusion injury, anticoagulation or hemorrhage, environmental toxins, extravasation, and even prolonged limb compression in unconscious individuals. Compartment syndrome is classically associated with the six Ps of pain, paresthesia, paralysis, pallor, pulselessness, and poikilothermia. Pain out of proportion to exam is an early and sensitive finding of compartment syndrome. Paralysis is a late finding. Clinical exam can have a poor sensitivity and specificity, however, 
and measuring compartment pressures may be necessary. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Pallor occurs when the arterial blood supply is compromised. Pallor is a clinical sign of arterial insufficiency and can be seen in compartment syndrome. However, it is not a late finding in the disease course of compartment syndrome. Choice 3. Paresthesias occur in the first 1-2 to two hours of compartment syndrome and represent ischemic nerve dysfunction. Choice 4. Poikilothermia refers to cold skin temperature. This is also a sign of arterial insufficiency that may be seen in compartment syndrome, but it does not represent a late finding in the disease course. Choice 5. Pulselessness is a finding in arterial insufficiency and may not necessarily occur in compartment syndrome. Pulses can persist even in prolonged compartment syndrome and is thus not a late finding in the disease course. Patients may even have normal capillary refill. Finally, a bullet summary. A patient with prolonged compression of an extremity can develop compartment syndrome, which has a late finding of muscle paralysis. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 17-year-old male presents to the emergency department after a knife fight. He initially refused to come to the hospital, but one of his wounds overlying the right antecubital fossa would not stop bleeding. Vitals include a blood pressure of 90 over 65, heart rate of 115 beats per minute, and respiratory rate of 24 breaths per minute. He reports that he is lightheaded and having visual changes. You hold direct pressure over the wound on his right arm while the rest of the team resuscitates him with crystalloid and packed red blood cells. After his vital signs normalize, you note that his right arm is cool and you are unable to palpate a radial pulse. The vascular surgery team explores his right arm, finding and repairing a lacerated brachial artery. Two hours post-operatively, he is complaining of 10 out of 10 pain in his right forearm and screams out loud when you passively move his fingers. What is the most appropriate next step in management? And the answer choices are, choice one, watchful waiting. Choice two, increases dose of hydromorphone. Choice three, compressive bandage. Choice four, measure forearm compartment pressures, or choice five, nerve block. The best answer to this question is, choice four, measure forearm compartment pressures. The patient in this vignette has compartment syndrome secondary to reperfusion. The appropriate next step is to measure compartment pressures or proceed directly to fasciotomy. Compartment syndrome occurs when the osseofascial compartment pressures rise to a level that exceed capillary perfusion pressure. It commonly occurs secondary to crush injuries and fractures of the leg and forearm, but can also occur secondary to the inflammation and interstitial edema that follow reperfusion of an ischemic limb. Symptoms include the six Ps. These are pain with passive stretch, paresthesias, poikilothermia, pallor, pulselessness, and paralysis, although the latter two are very late findings. Compartment syndrome can be diagnosed on the basis of clinical exam or via measuring the compartment pressure with a needle apparatus, commonly known as a striker device. A pressure greater than 30 millimeters of mercury or a pressure within 30 millimeters of mercury of the diastolic blood pressure is considered diagnostic for compartment syndrome. The appropriate treatment is release of the affected compartments via a fasciotomy. The publication by Daniels et al. 
reviews the emergent evaluation of hand and wrist injuries, emphasizing that primary care physicians must maintain a high index of suspicion for compartment syndrome in order to diagnose it early and prevent paralysis and disability. They also remind clinicians to be wary of tendon disruptions and high-pressure injection injuries of the upper extremity, which also require urgent management. The publication by Giliani et al. reviews the effect of ischemia reperfusion injury on skeletal muscle. The authors stress that this injury can occur in various circumstances, ranging from minor injury to major trauma. The intense inflammatory response that occurs after reperfusion may lead to renal failure, loss of limb, and even death. Therefore, a high index of suspicion is warranted for any limb injury. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Watchful waiting is not appropriate since compartment syndrome may progress to cause paralysis, chronic pain, and disability. Choice 2. Increasing this patient's narcotic dose is not appropriate until you have ruled out compartment syndrome. Choice 3. A compressive bandage would increase compartment pressure. Choice 5. A nerve block might relieve his pain, but it would not relieve compartment pressure. That's all for this review about compartment syndrome. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.